Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry here on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri. I'm your host, Dick Dalton. And each week, we have the pleasure of talking to someone who's building a more humane world from the inside out. And I'm excited, excited here. Uh, by the way, this is uh, actually the second to the last show of Glocal News. We're wrapping it up here. And I'm excited to introduce to you um, a new acquaintance. Uh, picked him out of a lineup <laughs> off, of, off of another uh, list of people doing public speaking. Lucas Johnson is um, the executive vice president of public life and social healing with the On Being Project which I had never heard of before this, Lucas, I apologize. No, it's okay. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. I, you know, to have been doing this show for over five years and not to have heard of the On Being Project is like, uh, what silo am I in? But you know, I, I've, I've had guests from all over the country, uh, even some international guests, and never had come across the On Being Project. Um, how did you hear about the On Being Project? Oh wow, that's interesting. That's an interesting uh, way to begin. I'm not. I'm not usually asked that. Um, I think my first time hearing so. So first I should explain that most people know the On Being Project from our sort of flagship offering the On Being show. So On Being with Krista Tippett, uh, which uh, was on public radio for 20 years um, on 400 stations across the country. And, um, and it began as a program called Speaking of Faith. Um, and uh, that's how I first discovered On Being. I, you know, so speaking, Krista began uh, on being, uh, right around, uh, trying to think about when, when speaking of faith started, um, she, it, it began because she felt that there was a real absence of, um, kind of searching conversation, uh, for the big moral ethical questions of our lives. Um, there was a sense in which uh, journalism was uncomfortable covering religion, you know, uh, unless it, unless they were unless it was sort of religion journalism, um, and and there was also a sense that this this area of our our lives, our inner our inner life, our spiritual selves was was as worthy as sophisticated investigation, and how we're thinking about that, how we're talking about that, how humans have discussed these things throughout. Our existence is is a subject of real inquiry, re real critical inquiry, and we we just didn't have a space to kind of invite that type of conversation mm -hmm. um, in our in our public life. And so Krista created this show, which uh, became On Being, and um, uh, and you know sort of grew to a bigger project uh, around the show. I think I first discovered Speaking of Faith when I was in either in uh, undergraduate um, uh, or 
early in seminary. Mm -hmm. Um, so must've been, yeah, in its early days, you know, it was something that a lot of us kind of, a lot of us who were kind of, you know, I was trained as a, I was even an undergraduate, I was interested in these questions of life and meaning and God and, 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 and these, these kind of existential questions. And so the show was a real, um, breath of fresh air for, for, uh, for a lot of us. So that's, that's, that's when I first discovered it. Where'd you go to undergrad? Uh, a small liberal arts school called Mercer university. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, it's in, uh, it's main campus is in Macon, Georgia. And so that's where, that's where I went to undergrad. And then uh, Emory for your. That's right. To the Candler Candler school of theology. Cool. Yeah. 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 I was uh, at SMU and, uh, Perkins School of Theology was uh, on our campus. Okay, yeah. And uh, I might as well throw in just a, a historical note. Um, in 1965, Perkins sponsored a bus ride to uh, Alabama. And I got a phone call and said, hey, Dalton, you want to go on a bus ride to Alabama with us? And I was just an undergrad then. And, oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> didn't it, quite know what you were getting into. I really didn't, but we arrived uh on the last leg of the march from Selma to Montgomery. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. <laughs> As thousands of people were in front of us uh you know shoulder to shoulder 12 across for as far as the eye could see and we just filed out and got in line and I was such a naive college student. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I well, it's just the truth. Uh, but anyway. It sounds like it sounds like you had some people around you though that that knew knew your heart and knew where you where you needed to be enough to you know push you in that direction. You know, that's a sweet way of saying it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Yeah. Okay, good. So you heard of on being way back then. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it had any inspiration for you to go to theology school and do that, or if you had already kind of had a track, a trajectory in mind, uh, to work in that setting? Um, I no, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I can't credit on being with, with sending me in that direction, but I would say, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I had these, you know, I was kind of born into a life that um, invited certain questions, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, I was, I was raised between spiritual traditions. Um, you know, my, my, um, uh, my mother's family was AME, um, uh, African Methodist Episcopal. Mm-hmm. My father's family was uh progressive, uh, Baptist, progressive national Baptist. And so I, I grew up in these, in these two, um, uh, you know, black Christian traditions that, that were, really oriented around, um, you know, a God that was very much concerned about, um, how people were treated and, Mm -hmm. um, was very much concerned about, you know, questions of, of, of justice and care and, Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, the being the beloved community to use, you know, King's language. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
Um, so my dad was, uh, was in the army and I was, I was, I've spent half my life in Europe and half my life in the U S oh, wow. um, my, um, my dad, uh, uh, was stationed in Germany and that's where I was born. And, uh, while I was there or while we were there as a family, um, you know, my dad came in, across Southern Baptist missionaries, white Southern Baptist missionaries <laughs> who, uh, he was intrigued by in part because they, um, they were very, uh, he, he admired their study of the Bible and he admired the kind of way they would sort of openly discuss, uh, the scripture. And he felt like that was, um, that was an environment that, uh, he appreciated. And so my dad was kind of adventurous enough to sort of explore what it might be like. And, you know, I think, you know, my parents also, they integrated their public schools, right? So, um, you know, they, the 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 army and being stationed in Germany gave, Germany gave them the most certainly the most integrated experience they'd ever had right so it was a kind of an age of exploration as my parents were becoming adults in in West Germany um, and so anyway I ended up being raised kind of between the traditions of my parents and the Black Christian tradition and that kind of permeated our household in terms of music. In terms of any time I would go to my grandparents' homes and we would go to church all day, uh, <laughs> multiple days a week, um, to uh, you know being in Southern Baptist, more evangelical youth groups, right? So I inherited a kind of uh, a, a kind of Black Christian orientation to the world and to 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 life in in many ways, but also you know, an evangelical piety, which was, was also a resource for me in, in, in a lot of ways and in, in the way that I can think about it now. Um, in other chapters of my life, these things were much more in conflict and, uh -huh. um, and much more difficult, but I can look back with a bit of generosity and grace um, for some of those things now that was hard for me to do in my earlier years, but that it, that is, that's kind of what I mean when I say that I was born into this space where it, uh, there was an invitation early on for me to be wrestling with uh, tensions. And so at first my pursuit of seminary was about me trying to work out the tensions between these ideas, these different perceptions of God. I mean, one God was concerned about, you know, the poor and justice and, all these other things and the other gods seem to be concerned about who was having sex with whom. And, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out like what, you know, what, what who, who am I supposed to believe in, you know? So. And surely um, these uh, theology teachers will give me the answers to, <laughs> to all <laughs> my questions. <laughs> you know, I I'm grateful. I'm grateful for them. They gave me the language uh, uh -huh. to ask the questions I needed to ask, you know, and that's Good. what was helpful. Certainly, certainly. Did you meet uh, Clint Harding at Emory or was that later in your life? This, oh, uh, Vincent Harding. I'm, I'm sorry, Vincent. I see. Uh, yeah. um, so I, I first met Vincent Harding uh, because uh, through Krista Tippett, actually. So no, that's not, that's not true. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I met Krista, I met Krista through Vincent Harding, but I, um, I first met him and I, it, I, um, I called him uncle Vincent. So it's, it's, if you, if I 
if I do that, then we were not biologically related. It was just that he, he one, it's a sort of, it's a way of showing a connection and, and an attachment to my, to my elders. And, mm-hmm. um, and two, it, it kind of captured the very loving relationship that I had with him. Um, so I, uh, was an organizer for the fellowship of reconciliation. Um, and, uh, and this was during seminary, I think, or maybe immediately after my time at Candler. Um, but, uh, we had a magazine called fellowship magazine Oh, and, um, our editor at the time, Ethan Vesley Flad, asked me to go to Denver to interview, um, uh, uncle Vincent and, and he asked me that it was very astute. You know, I'm always grateful for the people who at different, you know, chapters of my life sort of seem to sort of, I don't knowingly or unknowingly guide me in the right directions. Right. With, with very simple, small things, small gestures. I had, um, I had, when I, when I wrote my application to Candler, I had described my sense of vocation using King's speech where he declared his opposition to the Vietnam war mm-hmm. in, in 67. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd used his phrase where he talks about how we're called not only to be the good Samaritan, but we're called to transform the Jericho road and exactly. change the edifice that produces beggars. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I love and that I, quote. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And it was, that speech was so defining for me and um and you know and i i saw my sense of vocation as one that where i wanted to do edifice changing work right and i and that's how i kind of it was sort of my north star sort of how i oriented myself and my sense of what it meant to be in service to god and god's people um and um and so ethan knew that about me and Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think he, I, I didn't realize at the time that he was sending me to meet and interview the man who had drafted the speech for Dr. King, right? And so... I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I learned it in the context of preparing for the interview, but I arrived in Denver and um, he welcomed me into his home. He and... Uh, uh, his niece uh, Gloria uh, welcomed me into his home, and uh, and just uh, it was sort of just this. It was you know he was like an uncle that I never had, or you know yeah you you know he yeah. was not to say anything. I have lovely uncles now. I didn't. I, it's not, <laughs> many of them ever hear this. I don't want them thinking that that's what I meant. But no, I I um. Yeah, so that's when I met Uncle Vincent, and then mm-hmm. I, um, he was, uh, you know, he, um, I think I intrigued him, and uh, I think I impressed him in some ways, and uh, or I made an impression on him enough to to that he kind of invited me to learn and to sit, you know, at the feet of him and other elders. And I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I had, um, you know, the, the, 
that I could recognize what was being offered to me enough that I would take that that opportunity. And so I I did whatever I could to accompany him through what would it end up being the last years of his life. Um uh and you know followed him to from you know Denver to to Atlanta to Palestine to you know mm. everywhere to you know just just to continue to learn and from and and the people that he had gathered around him to learn from them as well and so mm. uh, that was a real blessing and uh, and it was because of him that he uh, I was leading a workshop on spiritual on nonviolence as a spiritual discipline uh, at a festival called the Wild Goose Festival and Krista came to that festival and she heard me giving that workshop and and then invited me to be a guest on the show and that's how our all our right. journey began. Awesome. So, yeah. Cool. It's a yeah. long answer to your right to your, your question. Well, I'm going to slip in one more uh his personal historical point. You mentioned uh Dr. King's speech in 67. Mm-hmm. In 66, he gave a talk at Southern Methodist University where I was a senior. Okay. And uh I got a phone call and said, uh, Dalton, you have a suit. I said, yeah. Uh, well, can you be up at the student center? There's a dignitary come to town and we want some students to have be there for, you know, having dinner with him and, you know, didn't say who it was. So uh, I show up and, and here's Dr. King and I'm one of 11 students and uh, he shakes our hands as we come in and he takes uh, his seat at one end of the table and I'm at the opposite end facing him. And, you know, he can be very soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you did. I don't know if you knew that, but mm-hmm. I didn't hear a single word he said in the whole <laughs> dinner conversation. And then someone said he's giving a talk at the student at the auditorium that night. And I thought, Oh my God, I got so much homework. I, I, I just can't go to that. <laughs> So <laughs> I missed the precursor to, to the 1967 talk, not, you know, that it was near the uh, import, but I, I think he was, he was evolving uh, day by day in his way as approaching he, the world and, and the, the issues of the day. Yeah, for sure. And especially with respect to the Vietnam War, right? Yeah. His, his, his thoughts were definitely um, evolving and he you know, was being pushed and pulled from, you know, from all different directions. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and so that was, uh, you know, he, you know, I, I don't know what, what month he reached the conclusion to speak out against the war, but he, but he did. And that was a, obviously a, a turning point in his life and, um and popularity, you know, I mean, he began to be vilified. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, there was a sense it was, uh, it was really obviously felt like a, betrayal uh for the johnson administration um and uh yeah but uh, yeah you you know all that history yeah um you wrote a essay about uh dr king a little bit i'm gonna take a short break and just reintroduce you but when we come back um we could talk some more about his nonviolence and other approaches that people were doing and something called the gap. Okay. I look forward to it. 
Okay, friends, uh, you're listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry here on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri, 89.5 FM on the dial. Um, I'm your host, Dick Dalton. We always uh, get to talk to people that are building a more humane world from the inside out. And today, Lucas Johnson, who, uh, uh, by the way, Lucas, are you up? north today up in dakota land i am actually in amsterdam the netherlands oh my goodness so uh <laughs> an international <laughs> all right <laughs> isn't it amazing what zoom can do for us i know i know it's great it's great but i, I wanted to uh, say to the audience uh just thank you for your support for kopn your continued support uh all, whether it's been all 50 years of our existence since we're celebrating our 50th uh, birthday this year or whether it's just been today um, you're tuned in and listening and that's support as well so thanks for being with us um, I don't want to take too much time to uh, thank you I, I want to hear some more from Lucas Johnson uh, the executive vice president uh, for public where I have it written down here public what is it? Public life and social <laughs> healing. <laughs> With the On Being Project. Uh, in your, you know, when they say our people part of our On Being Project, there's a list of you know, kind of a bio of you and then some essays that you've, or parts of essays that you've crafted. Okay. One of them had to do with the gap. The gap between what... Uh, people think in terms of progress that was made uh, back in the civil rights movement days and the perception of lack of progress or something like that. Um, I hadn't, I knew that existed in essence, but I didn't, I hadn't heard it termed as the, this gap. And, and I thought you sort of pinpointed it well and, and probably had some more to say about that. Yeah, and I, uh, so you were frozen for a second there, so I, I might have missed some of the question, but I think I, I think I follow. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd say that, yeah, I, I mean, I think there, I think this was more present uh, a couple of years ago. Um, hmm. uh, there, uh, but I think it's a kind, a kind of persistent uh, conversation about sort of, what the what the the you know uh what what you know vincent vincent harding dr harding never liked to call the civil rights movement the civil rights movement he preferred you know the southern freedom movement or uh the movement for the expansion of democracy but he you know but he he preferred other language because um civil rights uh became it's sort of too narrow it it doesn't evoke doesn't capture uh in people's minds what 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 people risked and gave their lives for right like they they those songs were songs of freedom right those 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 that that you know they people think of civil rights as something uh I, I think people sort of don't understand it when you use that language I think because we've we've kind of sterilized the, the the conversation of rights in a way um and don't and don't 
have a real personal connection to it in in I think in this country it, which is maybe the you know the privilege of of having had so much for many of us secured in a way for so long right so he's always he would always try to call us to to use different language with with the with with respect to that all, all of that is to say um there's a there was this conversation between you know uh how we evaluate you know the killing of michael brown and the and the 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 continued violence against uh you know black and brown people in the united states um the continued racial tensions in the country how do we square that against um our narrative of progress uh, arising from the civil rights movement and there there was a tendency i think sometimes to talk about uh all that wasn't done in a way that sort of was uh, critical of elders, and I think in a in a sort of of our elders in a sort of a historical way, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that um, uh, I think that's also true when you tell the story of nonviolence. People oversimplify the story; they oversimplify the choice of nonviolence, um, and so it becomes easy to sort of point at the the nonviolent movements having failed to solve something um because because the framing is too simplistic um and uh and so i think that's what i was trying to speak to um i i i i'll say that i mean I, i think ultimately um you know uncle vincent said to me once you know, I said to him, you know, do you, do you ever get frustrated that, that we're still fighting, you know, the same fights in some way, mm-hmm. um, in some ways are uh, still kind of demanding the same, you know, dignity and, and uh, do you ever, does that ever just exhaust you or frustrate you? And he says, he kind of jokes at me and he says, well, did you, <laughs> did you think that we did all this just so that you could rest? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and it was sort of a kind of gentle reminder that, um, this is work. This is long work. It's a part of, you know, we always have to, as long as we are existing together as 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 humans, as as long as we exist in community which 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 is the nature of human existence that we mm-hmm. exist that we belong to each other there's no real way around that we can't we can change the type of relationship we have with each other we can change the character of that relationship but we don't we don't have the choice to choose whether or not we exist in relationship to each other we we have we naturally do right so as long as that that's the sort of basic circumstance of our of our of our being then there will always be work to do to learn how to be together well <laughs> learn how to exist together in in a way that truly honors uh you know our belonging to each other 
And that is a work that that will always need to be done. And as long as we have complicated systems of of government and and economy, and then we we must always challenge ourselves to be asking these questions about how how do we make this just and fair and right? And so there's a there's a kind of initial orientation that I have to have to that subject that this notion that like, you know, we're going to eradicate racism and then be done <laughs> or that we're going to you know eradicate sexism and then be done mm-hmm. like that's just not that's that that's the wrong orientation to the problem what we have to do is choose to always position ourselves in in the right relationship to these pressing moral and ethical questions um so that we can meet them with the same commitments you know each each day each each decade each each century that's that's the orientation that we should have and so i find that in some ways the gap is a is a product of of a question that's too simple mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does that make sense oh yeah um i keep thinking of the uh, series eyes on the prize and the the prize is it's almost always out there <laughs> it's it's like yeah. it's it's not like the ring that you go around in the merry-go-round and you can grab the ring and you've got it it's the prize is is way down like you say it's way down the road and this is a journey to get there because really we're talking about a journey of conversation with people that think differently than we do and uh how with your civil conversation project how do you engage people in transformative conversation is that a goal is there a goal to transform or is it just a goal to meet and accept where we are today um, and learn to understand each other Uh, Is that transformation enough? Uh, Things like that. Can you kind of play with that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, first, I don't want to, I don't want to lower the goal mark too much, you know, but, but, but there is a sense in which if we, if we're able to find it in ourselves, if we're able to sort of prepare ourselves, um, to show up with one another, to meet with one another, meet one another with curiosity, genuine curiosity, because I've never met Dick Dalton before, mm-hmm. right? I, 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 I actually don't know what you think about this, that, or the other. And if I do, I don't know how, what, what happened to you or how you, how, how those ideas were formed for you. Right. right? And so there's so much to explore and to learn from one another. Now, there are real questions of safety and harm. And I, you know, I, I like there, there's a context in which you, you know, you, you create a container for these conversations and, and you can't have every conversation with everyone at every time. Right. But in general, I, I think what we're trying to do is encourage us to exercise, I think, muscles of hospitality that we've kind of 
allowed to atrophy, right? I think we we've allowed, you know, the 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 way we've life uh, is structured in 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 our societies. We 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 allow parts of ourselves to go numb, you know. Uh, and we know that there's something wrong happening when we do. We know that that there's an impulse towards empathy that we're suppressing. We know that there's, you know, we're making choices to allow our fear to show up as anger. We 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 know if we are quiet with ourselves long enough, we know that we're contributing to something that is not good um, when we do those things and. What I think we're trying to do is encourage people uh, to to look that square and you know to be to be honest with themselves and to find find the space to be vulnerable with themselves and and with each other. Um, and I think that creates a new experience that creates, a transformative experience because ultimately in order to address our problems, I, I think we, we have a tendency to think that, that we, um, to, to be very, um, kind of, um, too mechanical with our approach to things, you know, but, uh, we think that if we can, if we can, uh, do X, Y, and Z, then this is what's going to lead to the eradication of uh, all bad things. Uh, and again, it's like a, what I said, uh, I, you know, what I was trying to speak to earlier that like the, the goal is to put ourselves in, into right relationship. I mean, we, you and I, you and I may not um, figure everything out together, you know, if the, as conflict arises between us, but if we can accept that this this thing between us is something that i mean it, we we can acknowledge all the pain and all the hurt and all the difficulty and still accept that we ex exist in relationship to one another that's something to work with right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and it's a, and it's also an essential component of of democracy, of being in a democracy. And I think we've allowed so many of these, these interpersonal tools. I think, I think there are our, our, our spiritual traditions have taught us how to do some of this. I think our cultural traditions have taught us to do, to do some of this, how to live together with difficulty, right? We know this is old technology, right? That's been um, embedded in cultures uh, for a long time. Uh, that we have made decisions to allow ourselves to kind of jettison, and and I and I think that this is you know what we're doing is we're trying to call us um, towards someplace new. Um, and again, this is not about suppressing the difficult things. This is not about ignoring uh, the the issues of of equity or justice is not about any of that. It's about, it's about um, recognizing that in order to get to where we're, we need to go, <laughs> uh, 
um there's no way there's there's no way around the fact that we we have to share this space we have to share this planet we have to we you know uh the future that we hope for you know has to include we we have to imagine that with each other with our opponents um and so that has to dictate how we're engaging each other yeah can you hear me okay i can but you're frozen that's okay and, uh, yeah okay we'll just keep talking because that's the important thing is the talking <laughs> okay there we okay. go yeah um i feel like you... i was rambling a little bit there but no that's that's good i ask you to <laughs> keep on going <laughs> okay all right i did have the question kind of uh deep dive question or maybe a non-question do you uh personally or maybe as your role in the civil conversations project or on being project talk about the soul the individual mm -hmm. the the decision maker because uh, this is kind of a big fascination of mine <laughs> and that's why i'm asking you because uh when i look at a soul level we're both in my language uh pods of consciousness we're mm -hmm. we're both we might be housed in bodies that look somewhat different but actually we probably look more alike than we do different just a little different mm -hmm. shade of color and a little different hair style <laughs> uh but soul wise we're we're on the same level we're we're equal i mean that's mm -hmm. just the way maybe souls are and it's the thoughts then that come around and make it seem as though we're we're different because we look different or we're different because we have a different heritage or you know all the things that separate us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I just wondered if you think or talk or have discussions about soul in that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I think a lot about. I mean, I think at On Being we talk a lot about inner life, mm -hmm. and we talk about, um, we talk about like uh, the. Give me just a second. Actually, I'm gonna try to stop this this these chiming interruptions from happening. But mm -hmm. I should have done that sooner. Um, While you're doing that, let me just reintroduce you. We're about at the 20 minute mark. Okay, uh, folks. Hi, <laughs> glad you're listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry today on KOPN.org, your community radio station at Columbia, Missouri. 89.5 FM on the dial. Um, it's been a, a good run here for Glocal News uh, over five years. And uh, Lucas Johnson is uh, my guest today. Uh, actually, my last guest, as far as I can tell, uh, except uh, the next show will be Mark Heim uh, introducing or talking about me and, and him and our history with the space and KOPN and, and, uh, all kinds of good stuff. So uh, one more uh, official show anyway with Glocal News after our conversation today with Lucas. Uh, 
Johnson, who I just found out is in Amsterdam today, <laughs> I'm sure doing the business of uh, the on being project or the civil conversation project or are you just taking a vacation <laughs> <laughs> well we'll get to that later but oh, let, later. Me go back, <laughs> let me go back to your question um uh, about the soul i mean we talk a lot about inner life um and um but i think that what you're getting at in terms of um you know how uh, there is a, a a level at which we we have to see each other sort of beyond the 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 the, um, the sort of divisions that we've inherited, right? Yeah, right. Um, and beyond the kind of framing that's been given to us. I I you know the reason why I personally don't use. The language of soul as much um is is mostly because you know i uh i come from a you know the trajectory of my kind of spiritual life has been one where i had to um reaffirm my bodily existence right cool. because there's a tension to there's always a, a you know this the, the the spirit is willing the 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 flesh is weak you know like mm -hmm. you know there, there's this mm -hmm. dualism that happens that um i think for some of us can be really harmful mm -hmm. and so you know i want to celebrate humankind in our full embodiedness right mm -hmm. and you know and you know it's i my i i my my christian theological orientation is very incarnational um and so for those reasons i I don't, I, I, I resist, um, you know, uh, extracting the soul mm -hmm. in, in some ways, but, but I, I, but you, I resonate with your point, right. With, with, with what you're talking about, like our essence is certainly more than the way we've been taught to see each other. Well said. And there mm -hmm. is, there's a different looking that's a pop that's, that's possible for us, you know? Yeah, I, I read on the On Being Project page uh, a phrase, attending to the wholeness of every person rather than um, reducing the whole person to these little different parts of this and that and this and that and this right, and that. Right. And, and as a former health and wellness teacher, I, I know there is the tendency to well yeah we're dealing with the whole person but we need to talk about the physical and the mental and the emotional and the social and the spiritual and the, you know yeah yeah and then we need to talk about who who are you to have all of these dimensions that you need to be making decisions about and so there's a need to reduce but then there's a, a need to look at the whole and it's one of those always changing uh kind of things in my mind anyway yeah absolutely i mean i think it's and you know in a context where we talk so much about identity these days and where you know that becomes a kind of um you know sort of lightning rod the way that um uh identity has functioned in our in our uh political life um i think it's always important to remember that each of us are carrying multiple identities right we are we are at, and we're always foregrounding and, you know, 
different aspects of ourselves, right? So, um, and uh, and I think having again the kind of curiosity to explore not just what the, the identities we think we see, but also the identities that that may not be apparent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's that's uh, it's certainly a, a, a an active part of my life, a sort of lesson in my life, you know. So, you know, uh, and now I'll get back to you asking me why I'm in Amsterdam is because this is where I lived. I moved when I, I moved here eight years ago. Oh. Uh, and so I, um, while, well, these days I spend more time in the U S uh, this is still sort of deeply home for me on a certain That's level. Sweet. And so having spent half my life in Europe and half my life in the U S mm-hmm. my, my connection to Europe, my sort of European identity is often sort of, not a visible identity, right? For lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, it de- definitely, um, you know, I, 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 uh, it's one of those things that, uh, one of those lessons that I've learned and that has taught me to, uh, greet people with curiosity and be cautious about my assumptions, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, about who people are or what they might be thinking. And, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Really? Um, one of the other things with the on being project that, uh, was right at the sort of a tail end catching my attention, something about, uh, a land inquiry as to, um, like, on the homepage, it says we're on Lakota land. And there's a description of how historically who this land, physical land that we're on belonged to and how it changed hands, but it did it really, you know, and, and, a, and an, an invitation for each of us to inquire as to the land that we're on as to the history of it, where, whose land is it or was it? And how's that working out for everybody? <laughs> um, are there things that you can do in your community to be more respectful of the previous um, inhabitants of your land? Things like that. Um, but you're in Amsterdam. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a, uh, the current inhabitants of the land have been uh, been here for a while. Uh, yeah. In this case, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think it's a. Uh, you know, in some ways, so there's you know land acknowledgement. I think is important, particularly in the United States, and particularly in parts of the world where you've had forced displacement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. I think that there's something, and again, this is something that I think our spiritual traditions teach us in many ways. There's something to be said for just cultivating a disposition that allows you to move through life, recognizing when pain and trauma has happened, right? Recognizing something happened here that we do not want to repeat. It is not, you know... There are there's a space for sort of moral searching in terms of culpability and you know what what we've inherited uh, uh, in the same context of that pain and displacement right so as as you know 
you know, we, when we analyze sort of history and what each of us have inherited vis-a-vis that history, there's, there are questions of responsibility that might arise. And I'm not trying to sidestep those questions, Mm -hmm. but what I'm saying is, um, at the very least, I think that we want to cultivate a kind of um, awareness that allows us to just acknowledge mm-hmm. that something happened here mm-hmm. that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and history is complicated. Um, what to do about that thing that was wrong that that's a conversation to be had, but at least a beginning uh, is acknowledgement, right? A, a beginning, a starting place is to say, I recognize that this land, the, the, the stewards of this land um, were, that this was taken from them mm-hmm. and that I now benefit from land that was cared for before me and and there's something there that that should trouble my spirit right that should 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 bother me and and that's a question that i need to orient myself in relationship to um mm-hmm. I, I may not have the answers i may not know what to do about it I, I it's not it's i don't want to be paralyzed in the face of it but i can orient myself in a way that this question is 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 a little bit more alive for me and and living that question i think will present opportunities for response it's a, a tangential uh, connection but um, in the us more every day including today we had another mass shooting uh, this one in california with an asian community 10 people died can injured so many uh, traumatic events have happened in so many places whether you go back to lynchings or you go you know go back to uh this hundreds of now thousands of mass shootings that have gone on all over the place the conversations i i don't know it's it's a difficult subject and I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I, in your civil conversation project, do you address um, those kinds of traumas as well? And along with that question, we want to be sure that our listeners know how to find more information about the On Being Project and the, the Civil uh, Conversation Project and you. Um, I, you know, I think, um, in what we put out into the world in terms of our content, in terms of our offerings, whether it be the conversations that Krista Tippett has, um, every season of our show, um, or the poetry that Padraig Otuma brings in, in our, in Poetry Unbound, another show of ours, um, we try to hold the complexity uh, of this of, of of the human experience and that includes the pain and that includes the difficulty um mm-hmm. and 
I um and when it comes to the conversations or the space that we hold for public conversations, um, you know, we we go into that knowing that um you know, our life together right now, um, alongside joy, um, there is also, there are also moments of profound pain and loss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so yes, we try our best to attend to that. Um, I think one of the questions that we one of the conversations that is, I think, ongoing in the U.S. It's still worth having is how we, as a culture, make space for grief and mourning. Mm. Um, and considering what we've been through in the past three years, uh, considering all the the loss of life, mm. um, have we made sufficient space to acknowledge mm. uh, that pain? And if we haven't, and if we don't, what happens to us as a culture? Um, and so I, I, uh, that's something that's been sitting with me for a while. Um, and that I hope we will spend more time thinking about. Um, so I, you know, I, I offer that as an answer to your question. Um, uh, I'll say, uh, and, yeah, and the, that's going to have to almost do it. You, you've got <laughs> about 15 seconds. Okay. You can follow, uh, <laughs> on being, uh, on Instagram, uh, and, uh, and you can uh, visit us at our website on being.org. And, uh, thank you. Thank you <laughs> for this conversation. It was lovely. It's an ongoing for sure. Thank you so much, Lucas Johnson. Um, and friends, uh, remember wherever you are, now that is your world. So please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care and talk to you soon. And be well, Lucas. Thank you, Dick. Take care. You too. Okay.